it's, <laughs> it, it, it actually opens your mind up to go, not hopeless, but hope. Hope, indeed. Uh, love it. We'll be right back. Hey there. Welcome to the Mind Ramp podcast, where we discuss the quest for longevity, figuring out how not only to live long, but to live well while we are doing it. I'm Michael C. Patterson. In this episode, we use excerpts from a radio interview my Mind Ramp colleague Roger Anionson and I did with Robin Gunn in Oklahoma City. For the past year, we've been working with villages of Oklahoma City and Concordia Life Plan community to develop an ongoing brain health initiative, and this interview with Robin Gunn is a part of that effort. The segments we selected for this podcast focus on the Nun study and the development of the reserve theory, which tries to explain why some older brains are able to avoid the manifestations of dementia even when their brains are filled with the plaques and tangles that are associated with Alzheimer's disease. All right, we've got some more stuff in here. I've got other questions that I'm aching to ask these two gentlemen. So we've got two gentlemen here that are helping us with our minds and with our brains, giving us a sharp mind and a um, helping us do mind ramp, what we've been talking about today. All right, here on the... Um, who am I? I'm Robin Gunn, and we're on the Oklahoma Senior <laughs> Journal uh, radio show on the Eagles, 1640 AM, KZLS. I'm just getting excited about this, guys. It's, <laughs> it, it, it actually opens your mind up to go, not hopeless, but hope. Hope, indeed. Uh, love it. We'll be right back. Um, would both of you um, just explain... Um, a little bit about the Nun study. Would you uh, elaborate on that? I know there's going to be some people that know what that is, but a lot of people won't. The Nun study really is a groundbreaker because of something that absolutely surprised the scientists that were involved. It was a longitudinal study, which means you start a study with a goal and you continue over sometimes decades. Mm. This has been going on for decades. And what they did was to get a group of nuns and the nuns then would be monitored as to their cognitive abilities. Mm. They would track what they did, what they ate. They would track them. And then they would do something at the end that had never been done before, and that is to do autopsies on their brains. They got them to volunteer their brains for the study. Mm -hmm. And when they died, they were able to send it to an independent laboratory and get the feedback from the autopsy as to what the status of that brain an example of a, a report would be that they would come back with a report that concluded that plaques and tangles were in the brain and clearly it was a stage such and such. And, but it was mismatched because this particular nun didn't have these symptoms. So could they ask the question? They didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then they got more and more that were mismatched. Could it be that they're doing something to mask the symptoms, postpone the symptoms? Mm -hmm. And if we know what they did, could we learn from that? That was expanded to a men and women study in Chicago, the same outcome. Hmm. Could we prevent, not necessarily cure, could right. we prevent with what we do through life? Yes, and one of symptoms. The, one of the famous nuns was a sister, Bernadette, mm. and uh, when they, she was, aced all of her cognitive 
you know, they, mm-hmm. well into, I think in her 80s, and she died of a heart attack. Uh, but she was always at the top level uh, of, of performance. When they autopsied her brain, it was full of the plaques and tangles. It was like the gunk of inside oh, and outside, yes. you know, all of these markers that we equate with Alzheimer's. It was full of it. How could this this be? This be but she didn't have the symptoms. Didn't have the symptoms. And, and so, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap up. So that eventually led to this whole idea of the reserve theory, which we can go into at some point. Okay. But it, uh, it, well, we can pick up the reserve theory right after this. Okay. Great. All right. <laughs> Good lead in, Michael. All right. <laughs> Here we go. We're leaving you at a cliffhanger. Uh, this is Robin Gunn on the Rise and Thrive OSJ Radio Hour, which stands for the Oklahoma Senior Journal here on the Eagle. 1640 AM, KZLS. We'll be back with more Michael and Roger from Mind Ramp. All right, coming right back in here, I do want uh, Roger to be able to tell you about a book that is about the nun study, correct? Okay, what is that book? It's one of the best books. It's a seminal book called Aging with Grace. Okay. It's not only emotional, it's a true story, and Mm. it feathers in there, Robin, the neuroscience and that it's real, that you Mm. can, in fact, prevent these symptoms by doing the right things. And I did hear Michael say at our lunch, and he goes, it's not just one thing. You can't just eat blueberries. And, <laughs> right. And you're, but there's several things. You named like five or six things. We actually, it's a, we call them the cogwheels, and we've uh, mm. built this up over the years, looking at the science that's actually there and following the science and trying to put it into buckets. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing that's going to surprise anybody when you go through it, but it's like physical exercise. There's a ton sure. of research on, you know, the importance of physical exercise. Mental stimulation, keeping your brain stimulated. Social engagement. Mm. People forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But loneliness is lethal. You know, yes, it is. get older. Stress management is is important. We're not saying stress, you can't get rid of stress, you just have to manage it. Mm -hmm. Diet and nutrition, Mm. ton and ton of new research on the importance of of the diet. Getting enough sleep. I mean, we all know this intuitively. If you don't get a good night's sleep, you're not thinking Mm -hmm. properly. You're fog brain, right. Um, um, What am I missing? Medical? Medical. We just added medical. And environmental factors. I mean, if you're sick, that obviously pulls you down. If your environment is, if it's full of pollution, that's, you know, it's going to have an effect. So all of these things, we call them the cogwheels to try to get the, first it's cognitive Mm -hmm. wheels, but also they're like gears of a cog. And all of them fit together. You have to have all of them working together. You can be doing everything right, but if you're not getting enough sleep, that can pull you down. You can be doing everything right, but if you're eating mm. improperly and foods are actually poisoning Poison. you yes. instead of helping you, yes. that can pull you down. So we call this combinatorial. And we were actually talking about this long before it was accepted mm. you know, standard. Roger has been tracking. There's a finger study out of... Uh, it's, uh, what we did is we looked in the two th- early 2000s for science. It wasn't there. But in 2014, finally some science caught up to what we presented at the Smithsonian in 2010, which was the word combinatorial, that if you combine, you have a multiplier effect. If you have 
exercise and the right food because that food is then driven with more heartbeats per minute. Mm. It's, a, it's, just, it's a simple way to say you have to take one step in one cogwheel that helps the overall. Mm. And when the study called the finger Finnish for Finland, geriatric, so it's a study of older people who are aging, in just two years of tiny changes of lifestyle, Using four of the six of the eight cogwheels we now have, they change the trajectory of the cognitive future of, of the cohort. It not only was presented in Copenhagen to stunning reviews, but the headline was, We Can Prevent Cognitive Decline. It's been replicated in nation after nation in Australia and in uh, <laughs> Singapore. It's now in the United States in trials, early trials called the U.S. Pointer, like your finger pointing. Right. We predict that in 2023, when it comes out, the awareness of the public of things you can do yourself, not mm-hmm. waiting for someone to invent a pill. Will right. Be, that will be the answer. And what we're always looking for, Roger and I, because it's applied brain science, now mm-hmm. that we know that this combinatorial effect is what works. How do you find activities that do that? Village is okay. See, is a perfect. You know, it's like yes. go down the checklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, physical exercise. <laughs> well, just getting up off your your duff and going out to a meeting. <laughs> right. You know, it's getting you up out of your seat. And they also they play pickleball. They, yes, you know, they have all they kinds. They try of to that. learn something new every day. Yeah, mentally stimulating. Mm-hmm. They have like bringing us in and yes. having presentations. That's going to be mentally stimulating and challenging. Mm-hmm. Social engagement. I mean, clearly, uh, people who want to live in their homes, that's great, but if they end up being isolated in their home, that's right. then that's terrible. You know, so It so is. There is even a question here about uh, the challenges of social uh, isolation as becoming an epidemic, and it's even affecting people's health with onset dementia. In what ways can Villages OKC tackle that? Well, you're, tell- you're saying that right now. Yeah, but... Figuring out how people can stay in their homes, but with a support system. Hallelujah. You know, with a community. It's community building. It takes a village. Yeah, it takes a village. So, (laughs) you know, some people may have some capabilities. Somebody else has another capability. If I can drive, well, fine. Maybe I'll drive you to the doctor. Right. Or I'll go and pick up your your groceries. You know, and you can do something else. For me. For me. Right. So it's a give and take. And Marilyn is very good at building networks, Mm -hmm. and this is part of the whole, uh, we were talking earlier today, there are all kinds of great resources here in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. City. It's just how do you connect them, them. and how do you get people uh, to know what's available, what they should be doing, number one, and then how do they find it. So That's exactly right. Here we are, coming back in. I have two gentlemen here. They actually have spoke at um, the Smithsonian Institution. Isn't that correct? Yep. Look at you. Y'all are doing things. <laughs> Michael and Roger are here. They're with Mind Ramp. And um, we had talked about um, a segment before this last one. We did not circle back around, so I'm going to do that now. Michael reminded me about this reserve theory. Is that what you're calling Yeah, it? we were talking about the nun study and Sister Bernadette, yes. who aced all of her, her tests, her cognitive tests. But when she died, her brain was full of all of the plaques and tangles that we associate with Alzheimer's. She mm-hmm. should have been demented, but she right. wasn't. And uh, 
scientists, there are two ways we talk about the creativity, the aha moment, the eureka moment. Well, what's frequently more productive is the, hmm, that's weird (laughs) moment. You know, it's like... We don't know how to explain this, right? but they started looking into it, and what emerged out of that, a guy named Yaakov Stern uh, took the lead on this, it was what is called the reserve theory. And essentially the idea is that certain people, and when you looked at um, Sister Bernadette's uh, behavior throughout her life, she was an avid reader, and she mm-hmm. did a lot of a lot of education, and there is a direct correlation between the amount of education that you've done. Mm-hmm. It's not the degree. It's the, ah, the constant challenge. Constant, yes. yeah, constant questioning, challenging, mm-hmm. learning. Reading, learning, yeah, researching. And right. the idea is that you build up a, a reserve in your brain, mm. both physically, like more, more brain cells, mm-hmm. so that even if some are dying, because they're so plastic, some of the, the healthy brain cells can take over for the sick ones. Ah, I get it. But also a cognitive reserve of if, if you're learning lots of different skills, if you, if you only have one way to do something and you lose that, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're done. But if you have four or five ways of doing it, yes. it's like, oh, okay, this one's not working anymore. Uh-huh. We go to plan B. Yeah, you better mousetrap over here. Yeah, right. so that's the reserve theory. And again, it's one of these hopeful things that we can actually protect our brain and make it more resilient and able to resist the damage that is kind of an inevitable right things happen that's right your brain but if you can protect it as much as possible lower those risk factors raise those protective factors then you you're in better shape and it's it was the nun's name was bernard Bernadette. Bernadette. I bet she ate well, too. I'm sure she didn't have a bunch of processed food. Well, one would think, you know, in this combinatorial approach, that it was was a a number of factors. Exactly. Well, and Roger, I think you've got something over there you want to share. I do. Okay. We have something that's called the ripple effect. And if what we're doing is really transferring plain English knowledge, and we transfer that knowledge to a human being who's got a brain and they learn for themselves, we have them thinking about who else ought to benefit. And we find that they immediately want to talk to their loved one who might need help, and that's the ripple effect. Mm. And by participation into the, the work we've been doing for a year to test pilot projects with the OKC, we're confident that we're going to be able to track that ripple as it goes out from those new splashes into maybe stagnant ponds of somebody who didn't even take our course. So if you have mind ramping yes. and we can have someone else teach someone any one thing that might work, one of the wheels, and see if that person will buy in, then instead of having to drag someone into a healthier brain, they start doing some of the work for themselves, Damn. and that's momentum. That's great. And that's what Villages OKC is all about. Yep. There's interesting research that uh, when you're trying to change habits, uh, if you stay with folks who are, like, doing the same bad habits, mm-hmm. it's harder. Mm-hmm. You know, you tend to pick up the habits of people 
who you, you know, your your tribe, right? Or your you your know, tribe, who, I love it. Whoever you're your with, clan, your, yes. your community. And one of the uh, things that we really you talked about hope, mm. and that's a big factor in here. If people go into aging with these negative stereotypes that oh, I'm old, I can't do this. What do you expect from me? I'm seventy years old, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yep, but. Villages OKC is really on this mission to reframe aging yes, for Oklahoma are. City and get get rid of these stereotypes, mm-hmm. these negative stereotypes, get rid of the myths. And this is a whole community of people who are saying, no, we're not going to accept these negative stereotypes about aging. I am not going to live that life. I'm going to rage, rage know, against, rage it. against yes. the, you know, and go out. Right, and go up a ramp instead of down one. There you go. There. If you want to learn more about MindRamp, go to our website at www.mindramp.org, M-I-N-D-R-A-M-P dot O-R-G. If you want to learn more about how to put together your own Qualongevity action plan, sign up for one of our free consultations, and Roger and I will talk with you and explain how we can get you motivated, do some assessments so that you know what you want to target, develop an actual plan, and then learn about the skills that you need to actually support and sustain the activities that will create the positive plastic change you need to keep your brain healthy and your mind sharp.